You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 181 of the Comic Book Informer Podcast coming to you on Shut Up. I didn't say anything, but you I, are on a I roll. was going to go through no problem, and you had to start <laughs> snickering in the background. You would do the same thing. <laughs> this is true, but only because you mercilessly mock me for it all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chicken and the egg. How's it going, Raj? Codeine and cookies. That's all I got to say. That's what makes my life turn around. <laughs> Did you uh, hear the interesting news that they cast Christian Walker for the Power series? No, I hadn't. They cast Charlotte Copley for the role. Really? Yes. Well, he can pretty much do anything. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, Christian is somewhere in between Vicus and whatever his name was in Elysium. So. <laughs> yeah, it could work. Yeah. yeah it's, that's interesting. And I, I forget her name, but they also cast. Uh, actress for playing retro girl which i interesting because the first story arc is of course about the death of retro girl well yeah but are they gonna follow the same storylines as far as i know the first season is subtitled the death of retro girl Oh, okay yeah but if you're looking at an entire season then yeah they'd have to put quite a bit of thought in casting her Mm -hmm. i i don't know if they're gonna pull off the same kind of thing as we've seen in other well, she, I, I forget her name. She's been in a lot of stuff. She's an older actress, though. So, well, that not, it, too. It's, yeah, it's gonna. It's definitely gonna be the older version of Retro Girl, not the younger. Well, I'm sure they'll have flashbacks and stuff. Too. Yeah, cool, interesting. No, no word on Dina Pilgrim yet because that's gonna be an important one. Yeah, no kidding. That yeah. Although I can think of a few actresses that would probably love the role. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, anyway, this week's discussion. I assume you've seen the uh, full trailer for the upcoming Disney movie, Big Hero 6, correct, Roger? We've been looking forward to this the moment it was announced. So, yeah. And it's actually really interesting because it's not being branded as a Marvel movie whatsoever, despite the fact it's actually based on a Marvel comic. Disney's really treating it more as one of their traditional animation projects taking the source material and just using that as inspiration for their own adventure, if you will. So since it's not really a direct adaptation of any Marvel work, it doesn't have the Marvel name on it, but that doesn't mean we can't take a look at the original comic. That's, that's kind of lame though. Still, I mean, not that they're going to play with it and do something different. I'm all for that. Um, But not actually, you know, branding it as a Marvel series when clearly it was, that's, I, I don't know why they're doing it, but that's their decision. Yeah. And obviously, I guess Marvel had to toe the line. Like, yes, sir, whatever you say, yeah, Mr. Yeah, exactly. Mouse. That's the thing. <laughs> the team originally appeared back in 1998 in a very short-lived miniseries that was actually starring Sunfire. Sunfire and Big Hero 6 did not uh, – I guess it wasn't terribly well-received. It got its three issues, told story, and then disappeared for a decade because honestly, would you run out and buy a comic that Sunfire is starring in? Yeah, really. 
It's not like Batman or Captain America. They're not. <laughs> oh, Sunfire's got a new team. I really have to read that. Now, maybe if they titled it Silver Samurai with the Big Hero 6, I would have been a little more interesting because he was a member of the team. But anyway, we're actually looking at the 2008 version, which is the one that's more directly correlated to the film coming out. Written by Chris Claremont, actually, which I did not know. Art by David Nakayama, Terry Pallet, and Emily Warren. And see, this is just to ever so briefly go back to my point um, of why it's lame for Disney not to actually acknowledge that this is based on the Marvel comic. It's because these people that worked on it deserve mm-hmm. the credit. So they're the ones that worked on the series that this is, even if it's only loosely based, it is. They deserve that credit. So, I mean, especially Claremont for all the writing. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I would assume he'll have a credit in there somewhere, just like a lot of the other comic writers have. But yeah, yeah it, it's still weird knowing it's a Marvel property and not seeing that logo anywhere. Yeah. Uh, touching on the art at first, I have to say the art overall is very good. Uh, traditional comic art with a bit of the uh, bit of Eastern anime manga style influence, but for a comic that is absolutely intended for all ages and all readers, given that there's an important storyline that involves superheroes joining a high school football team, definitely not good as far as the portrayals of the female characters. Like the story is something you would hand an eight year old, but the art really isn't. The the fan service art is just annoying. I mean, we cover this in a lot of different things, and it'd be easy for them to say, yeah, but we're keeping in with the style of a lot of anime and manga. So that's to me, that's an excuse. And like when you're looking at some of these, it's like, wow, like <laughs> really, why did you even bother with the other colors for, for the chess pieces? Why bother? <laughs> yeah, it's... I said the art itself is fantastic. Just the design is not something I'm terribly proud to have read. (laughs) Well, the thing is, too, is that you're looking at – once again, I mean you've got all of these missed opportunities and you've got these female characters that are supposed to be strong female leads, Um, especially I thought like the the – Gogo, who used to be a criminal even kind of thing. And so you've got somebody who's going to be tough and intelligent and everything else, but that's obviously not what they want you to be thinking about when you're reading her. And then you have Fury, who should be the Japanese equivalent of the North American Fury, to the point of missing the eye even, which was lame as hell, but still. And they just over-sexualize her and put her in this bikini and stuff. And you're like, oh, come on. She's supposed to be this intelligent, tough-as-nails character, which periodically you get a glimpse of that, only to then have this fan service art thrown in your face whenever possible. Mm-hmm. And like even look at uh, Maris, the, uh, the young girl who forms a bond with Hero. Early on in the in the story, she's depicted as you know a typical teenage girl. By the end, she's just like the rest of them, running around in her underwear. It's like it's like they aged her a couple years over the course of the series, just so that they could put her in a, a scant outfit. Yeah, uh, I, I do have to say though, I also did really like the covers, which I believe Nakayama did as well. Really nice manga influenced covers that uh, were were admittedly really good. Yeah, I agree. So as far as our story here, Big Hero 6 is Japan's national superhero team. As the story explains, since Japan refuses to use nuclear weapons, they need superheroes instead. 
like the rest of the world doesn't have superheroes protecting their countries as well. It's kind of goofy. It's kind of weird, but whatever. Go along with it. Uh, at the beginning, our cast is Hiro Takachiho, who is a teenage super genius, uh, still in high school. Baymax, which is a battle-ready robot that was Hiro's invention. As you mentioned, Gogo Tomago, who is just a ball of energy, both literally and figuratively. Uh, speedster, really cool character. Honey Lemon, who is a super spy, who has a purse that is a portal to unknown realms that she's able to pull any number of uh, inventions out of. I know that is a character that is going to appeal to many people <laughs> once the movie comes out. And by far my favorite character, both in style and in name, Wasabi No Ginger. <laughs> you forgot Fred. Fred isn't in the beginning of the story. Well, he's in the Besides, first issue. I, I want, yeah. The first, to that. the first page shows Fred. <laughs> when they're listing all of the team members, there's Fred. Fine. Fred. Fred Have is you... the coolest, though. Let's be no, honest. No, Wasabi's the coolest. No. Wasabi's cool. He is damn cool. But he's just a, you know, wannabe. What's his face from the X-Men that you hate? Gambit. Gambit wishes he was Wasabi <laughs> no ginger. <laughs> but yes, definitely a, a great cast here. Lots of personalities. I, I really enjoy these characters and I'd never read anything with them before. Like I'd seen them appear every now and then. Uh, they actually had a cameo in the ends of the earth with Spider-Man when Doc Ock was taken over the world. Spider-Man called them in to help out in uh, Japan. So like, I, I really like these characters and I hope now with the movie coming out, maybe we'll get to see some more of them. I but I do too. I like the characters except for the few clichés here and there. And then the again, I would like to really see a, a new updated miniseries with whether it's these characters or put a couple of replacements but with a different writer though. I mean, a lot of what we see here which I'm sure we'll be discussing momentarily just a lot of it was just so forced and cliché and some of it point blank stupid. Overall, I still enjoyed it, but some of it was like, oh, come on. But the characters, like you said, were good enough that I would like to see something with them handled appropriately, something that's not just corny fan service like this. Yeah, it kind of ties into our conversation we were having a couple of weeks ago uh, when we were talking about Ragnarok, about certain creators being able to modernize themselves. Claremont has done better. <laughs> with this that I've seen some of his other more modern stuff. He's progressed from the 80s into the 90s with his writing style, but yeah, there, he's definitely an odd fit for just about anything in 2008, yeah. Yeah, let alone 2014. <laughs> and the story is, I, I'm not going to say it's a great story. Like I said it's, it's a fun story. It's a goofy story. It's, it's just... You know, putting the characters into weird situations and seeing what happens. At the start, Hero, his school is attacked by three villains uh, known as Gunsmith, Whiplash, and Brute. And we, right off the bat, we give us a nice battle scene with lots of great, again, great artwork. Gets to show off what the characters can do, except not Fred because he's not there, Roger. He's on the first page. <laughs> he's part of the team. <laughs> we come to find out that... The attack was merely just a smokescreen, a cover for a different 
uh, robbery of a powerful artifact. At this point, this is where they bring in Fury Wamu, a Japanese secret agent, so secret that the secret agents don't even know who she is, and talks about how she's the one who initially found the artifacts and distributed them throughout the world, supposedly to keep them safe. And that in order to prevent whatever these bad guys are up to, they've now stolen five of the six. They need to go to New York because, of course, we can't have a comic about a Japanese team without bringing them to America. See, I, I'm guessing this was not Claremont's decision. I'm hoping it wasn't. I'm hoping it was the editors that said, OK, you're going to bring them here just so that more people will read it because at least it's on American soil. Because if it was his choice, it's like, oh, come on. You had the perfect opportunity to create something that's insanely dynamic. And Tokyo is just as, if not more animated than New York is in terms of the hustle, the bustle, the, the you know, the, the tight-knit um, setting with all of the, the skyscrapers and everything. You could have had something that the artist would have had a blast with as well. Like so many, in my opinion, missed opportunities there by forcing them to go to the States. Wolverine is the only comic character allowed to have comic set in Japan. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> so this is where they meet, uh, what goodness, I lost my, there he is, Dr. Ayosama, who is, I guess, they don't explain a lot of stuff terribly well. No. Like, there's a lot of conjecture that I've had to make, uh, kind of tying some threads together. But yes, he's overseeing the installation that is uh, guarding the final artifact. And he has the daughter Maris, who we mentioned previously, who is a young teenage super genius herself. And of course, she forms an immediate bond with Hero. And this is where they introduce Fred to the story, <laughs> as he is a student at the high school where the team is pretending to be students as part of their cover. Now, for Hero, of course, this makes sense. He's an actual high school student. For Gogo and Honey, they're of indeterminate age, but could probably pass as high schoolers. Wasabi looks to be about 30 years old. How is this guy passing as a high school student anywhere? That whole thing with trying to put them in the high school and the whole thing with the football game was like so far off track. Yes. It was unbelievable. Like it just did not fit at all at all. A, it was written in such a confusing manner that at points you're scratching your head going, what the hell is supposed to be happening here? And also it didn't, it didn't keep up with the pace of the story that we'd had up until then. We're on this freight train going this away, and they decide, no, we're making a stop over here, and they're going to go hide out in school and everything and play football. And it's like, what? I hated that. I, yeah. I, it was terrible. Yeah, and, and yeah, as you said, uh, Gogo and Wasabi actually join the high school football team and teach them how to win. It, it's like it is the most cliched possible story you can come up with, and it's just I oh, it did not use it. It did not fit. There's no reason to dwell on it. It was over the course of a five issue miniseries. I think they dedicated at least a full issues worth of pages to the goofy football story. Yeah. Well, that's the the same thing with the two instances where Honey Lemon and Go Go test out the new team members with both 
the the wasabi and Fred at different points. And it's like, oh, come on. Once again, forcing a fight between team members to prove what they can do kind of thing. And it's a cliched piece of stupidity in both instances. And like the one with Fred lasts way too long. And it's just terrible. It's just stupid. At least the one with Wasabi was, what, like a page and a it half? It wasn't Like, oh, Ninja's long. attack. Oh, should we tell him it's a test? No. Like, that was fun. But yeah, the one with Fred was, it It just went on and it kept getting, like, at no point did anybody have a rational thought at that in that one. Oh, yeah. And the, 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 the well, he started it and he made it real and then, oh, everything's all right at the end. And you're going like, oh, my God, this is like the worst kind of anime you can watch. That's how bad this is. It's, oh, come on. It was, yeah, it was terrible. But good news, after they win the big football game, (laughs) uh, Honey is actually uh, taken and turned against the rest of the team. And this is where we find out that the Whiplash, Gunsmith, and Brute characters aren't individuals. They're personas that are able to be used as mind control devices and turn people against their will. So we have Honey as the Whiplash, uh, Miss Wamu as Gunsmith, and Dr. Ayosama as the Brute. And this is where we have an admittedly really cool, really big, really anime (laughs) action sequence of just everybody beating the living crap out of each other. And for story reasons, it was goofy and awkward, but no more goofy and awkward than anything else we saw. But from an artwork standpoint, it was freaking awesome. The artwork was great, except it is this is one of those instances where, and this is this is th- about three quarters of that one issue is devoted to this. Um, it is almost entirely fan service shots. Well, that's how you know they're evil. Oh yeah. Well, God, <laughs> I I got nothing to say. <laughs> And at this point, they find out something about aliens. And I'm going to be perfectly honest. I stopped paying attention to the story. (laughs) Like, I could not follow what was going on. At this point, I was just on for the ride. And it was fun. But as far as explaining to our listeners exactly what's happening, I got nothing after this point. (laughs) Well, from the moment they... The, the, you, you have the, the final after the, the big fight and after the, the finish as well. You have them find the aliens. And then between that and the actual final episode uh, issue, a whole bunch of stuff happens that we're not privy to. Mm-hmm. That you only find out about halfway through the final issue and you're going like, what? What kind of stupid... What, you decided just at the last minute to throw this in as a, oh, yeah, they did that. We didn't tell you, but that's what happened. Come on. Seriously? Just so that you could bring back the bad guy who... The bad... The villain in this too is the dumbest excuse for a villain <laughs> that we've seen in a long time. And it's... Again, I... I know that I especially kind of am going to sound like I'm ragging on it a lot, but the thing is, is that I'm not, there was a lot of things that I did like about it. Mm -hmm. And it's just one of those, man, I wish that 
proper attention had been given to the story, to the, the relationships between the characters and all of those things. And that's just not there. Instead, yeah. we have this. Yeah, like I said, overall, the story is odd. It's awkwardly paced. A lot of things don't make sense. But that doesn't mean it's not a fun read. The characters are interesting. I really enjoyed them, their interactions, their team dynamic. So, like I said, hopefully with the movie coming out, that'll give them some more traction. And like I said, I would really like to see what somebody could do and give them the proper time and attention they deserve because this is a great group of characters that needs to at least get some love every now and then. Even if it's a miniseries once a year or two, I would be okay with that. The thing, too, is, I don't know, did you read all of the character bios as well? I, I skimmed through some of them, yes. I actually read them all. I didn't read all of the extra stories from before and whatnot, but I did actually read the bios. And once you read those, I actually had an even deeper appreciation of all of the characters. Because then you're seeing a lot more of what's going on and the, the histories of the characters and whatnot. Like, the, everything between... Um, uh, the the lead character and and Baymax kind of thing you you suddenly realize holy crap there's a lot more behind there because yeah. he he actually used essences of his father when his father passed away to make the robot so yeah, that's, that's why the something that was protective. barely referenced in this miniseries exactly but when it is and when you read about how worried he is about uh, Baymax as he's been taken away and the robot's being kept, you're like, okay, I see why, I understand. When Baymax gets obliterated by the, that fury of, of bullets and you see that he's like freaking out, you know why. And the same thing with that purse. <laughs> Initially, I was like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. But then I read the bio and they explained why it's a purse, that they wanted something that was that wouldn't be noticed that a woman can just walk down the street with and no one would think twice about it. And I was like, okay, well that makes a little bit more sense. I can actually roll with that. And it was the same with each of the characters. So that's why I, I have a much deeper appreciation of all of the characters. And I would, I would love to read something where the story and the, the character uh, interactions and stuff were handled much better. That would be phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So Marvel, get on it. Yeah. At least hopefully we'll have a fun movie to get out of the deal. All right. Well, moving on to what we're reading for this week. <laughs> Interestingly enough, tying in <laughs> with that Japan and Fred, I read the new Godzilla Cataclysm. I think it's just a mini series. First of all, the art on this was absolutely fantastic. But it's an interesting take on your Godzilla story. This takes place 20 years after most of the earth has been devastated by the giant monster battles that have taken place. And this civilization has, I don't want to say rebuilt, but come back together. But now they have these mythical stories of these great beasts that, you know, 20 years ago, the, the younger generation doesn't even believe they actually existed. And it's using the iconic characters almost as deities and like god type symbols for this society that's come up because they know even if they rebuild that they may come back again. So it really lends an interesting weight to the characters and I'm really interested in seeing what they can do with this going forward. I'm not reading it. <laughs> 
<laughs> now that you're caught up, did you read the latest Ninja Turtles? No, I didn't read the last one. God, I hate you. <laughs> no, it, this was our uh, confrontation between Krang and Shredder. Right. The entire issue was just Krang and Shredder. The turtles weren't even in it at all. Hmm. Did not go the way I expected it to, but oh man, awesome issue. Okay, I'll read it tonight. And then, like I, said, I actually didn't read a whole lot uh, this past week. I'm pretty behind on a lot of my stuff as well. But I did uh, get and, through the latest. <laughs> and so you chose to put Deadpool. <laughs> you, you didn't have time to read a lot, so you read Deadpool. Of the few I read, <laughs> you know, they, they, I read other stuff that I just, you know, wasn't all that excited to talk about. Let's <laughs> put it that way. But for Deadpool, this whole storyline they've had going on with uh, him finding his daughter, their original Sentai in. Not the payoff I was hoping for based on what we've seen that, you know, the writers are capable of. But it did have one great moment. At the end of the previous issue, he's trying to escape with his daughter and they're being chased by uh, countless goons from Ultimatum gunning for them. And we see Deadpool makes a phone call to a friend for help. So at the end of this issue, I'm expecting any number of people to show up. Taskmaster, Agent X... You know, Wolverine, Cable, you name it. I was not expecting Evan to show up. Genesis. Building on the relationship they had developed during Uncanny X-Force. So that was actually pretty cool to see them tying back into that story and uh, giving somebody that looks up to Deadpool and somebody Deadpool can then count on as well. The art was atrocious. The art was terrible. But just nice calling back to that story beat and giving me a nice surprise because that was something I was not expecting at all. Hmm. And what have you got for us this week? All right. Well, I did go and read that Superior Spider-Man. I've missed Otto so much. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't even been that long and it's like, oh, you magnificent like six bastard. I've missed you so much. <laughs> <laughs> what a fantastic issue. This was just a he is even more badass than he was before. We're getting all of this alternate universes thing where the Spider-Man are dying including the Fantastic 4, which was freaking awesome too. Um how many different what if issues did you pick up on in this? Oh yeah. And then the um I love that he turns the, the computer's holographic image into Anna, which was <laughs> just so freaking awesome. And then that he's pairing up initially with the Indian um, Spider-Man, which I thought was awesome. Did I, I mean, As I was reading that, I was trying to remember, did we ever actually cover that on the podcast? I don't believe so. Because I've read it. Mm -hmm. And I remember reading it and thinking that we should, but I just couldn't remember if we... The hell, we're at 181. You start to forget everything you've covered. <laughs> but So that's why I, I know this guy. And it was like, ah, that's awesome. And then the, the, the pairing up and then the what makes you think you were the first. And then you get a glimpse of what's coming up. And also the other story... From, uh, who was it? Crystal's Gage, I believe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was just as friggin' awesome. Now you've got a Peter who's just as badass as Otto is. 
Well, that was the one from the uh, the What If with Wolverine, right? I don't know if it is or isn't. Because I'm pretty sure it's, it's it the same It probably one. is, yeah, because it, it, it gives you a whole bunch of different takes on stuff. I, I don't know if it is or not, but it, it could just as easily have been. But yeah, that was freaking awesome. Just awesome. <laughs> uh, did you read the Amazing Spider-Man number five? Yes, I, I figured I would save that one for you. <sighs> Equally good. <laughs> I just, I, I, I love this thing between him and Silk. And you got to wonder, like, is is it just he's lonely <laughs> and making up for lost time? Or there's something going on between the two of them that drives them both. Bananas. Yeah, I, I believe there's something beyond their control at work yeah. here. <laughs> And when Anna walks in on them too. Oh my God. <laughs> it was great. I, I, I love this. It had some slower moments with the, the news stuff until of course Electro pops in, but uh, it, it was just fantastic. And the art again, my God, fantastic. Um, Nightcrawler, newest one. Did you read it? No. And blah. I mean, it's, he's, <laughs> Again, what did we say about Chris Claremont writing modern day comics? It's basically now he's settled into a routine and he's trying to figure out how he's going to fit in at the school, if he's going to teach and stuff like that. And it, he's taken some of the new kids through the danger room and and then one of them kind of buddies up with him and they're going off on an adventure. It was pretty, I mean, pretty, not just, I don't want to say mellow, just really nothing spectacular in the least mm-hmm. uh, Wolverine's getting ready to die <laughs> between other news between Wolverine and Wolverine and his peeps there it's like hey, he's just kind of getting things in order getting ready to die is what it is um, Wolverine and his peeps was more so about that at points the art was great in that and at points you're like oh my god Aurora does not look like that and neither does Indy. What is the matter with you? God, if there was an art police, they should be going after you. And the Wolverine one was, it's still working on the entire story with Sabretooth, which has been dragging on so bloody long. So I dragging really, on for 40 years. Oh, yeah, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I really wasn't digging that at all. Now, what I did actually really enjoy, other than the obvious Spider-Man, and again, I know you're not reading it, Batman Beyond, holy crap in hell. Because remember I was telling you how they're working on the storyline for um, Mark of the Phantasm, and Mm -hmm. it's the person who killed his father, and yada yada. Well, now they're also, they introduced another character who is, was in a relationship with Bruce kind of thing, but she was not afraid to do what he would not, i.e. just kill whoever's in the way or who deserve, whoever deserves it kind of thing. That storyline, notwithstanding what has been great, amazing has been all of the backstory that we're getting on Dick and Barbara and Bruce as they're telling things to, um, to um, Terry, Terry, my God, to Terry. So you're getting this backstory, which is actually going to be happening later on. And it's like, Whoa, (laughs) like spoiler alert people, but like it was obvious we knew there was going to be 
there was a relationship between Barbara and Bruce. Well, Barbara was pregnant with Bruce's baby. Ooh. So meanwhile, they had stopped seeing each other and she was involved with, with Dick to the point where Dick was actually going to propose to her. And even though Bruce said he wasn't going to interfere and tell them, and because Barbara went to him, he was like, you have your life and do whatever makes you happy. He just pulls up dick move and goes and tells dick anyway <laughs> and you're like oh that was poor form <laughs> that's that's not cool buddy <laughs> at all and you find out also that she lost the baby and so that kind of drove a wedge between her and dick and then um eventually she met up with the the man that was in the cartoon series that she had been with from that point on. So like the, the actual action parts of the story with all of this stuff with the, again, the, the guy who killed Terry's father, where you think, Oh, this is going to be the big point of this story. Or this is what's going to be awesome. Who not even remotely, not at all. So this has been really, really good. That's all. I all right. Well, okay then. As for this week's new releases, Marvel brings us all new Ghost Rider number six, Magneto number eight, Mighty Avengers 13, Miss Marvel number seven, New Avengers number 23, Nova number 20, and Storm number two. From Image, we have Fade Out number one, the new series from uh, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. If you liked Criminal, which I know you didn't, Roger, but if you like that sort of stuff, uh, this is their next work. Manifest Destiny number nine and The Wicked and the Divine number three. From IDW, we have Samurai Jack number 11. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Annual 2014, where the turtles are whisked away to another dimension and forced to fight in a martial arts tournament. From, and we also have Transformers, Robots in Disguise, number 32. And then from Valiant, we have the first issue of the Delinquents miniseries, which looks to be a comedy extraordinaire crossover between Archer and Armstrong and Quantum and Woody. So before we wrap up, Roger, I have a homework assignment for you. Oh, God. Seriously? <laughs> I know how much you uh, like to look at new apps and comic-related stuff on your iPad. Yes. So there is an app I would like you to review. Shoot. The Rob Liefeld app. Oh, uh, no. Seriously? What? There's a Rob Liefeld app? He has put out his own app. With, Does it cost anything? I don't think so. It better not because <laughs> homework or not. If you pay for it, I'll allow you to skip the homework assignment. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got art galleries. It's got a question and answer uh, area. When did I this release? Funny. It came out uh, last week, I believe. What's it actually called? I don't know. Just okay. Google or not Google. Yeah, I'll have to but, Google <laughs> because I'm looking under Rob Liefeld and there's nothing there. Okay. If it's free, all right, I'll check it out. <laughs> but you know, it'll only be so that I can mock it mercilessly later on. <laughs> All right. Well, then that's going to wrap us up here. Be sure to tune in next week for that. What's sure to be a wonderful review from Roger. But as always, you can find us at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. So until next week, thanks for listening. <laughs>